everyone. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we are both Nurse Gloria, just sick and tired of Edward Cullen's shit in this hospital right now. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's good? What's new? I feel like I just had vocal fry. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, I got my septum pierced a couple days ago, and I really do gotta say that I feel like hot girl summer is coming hard for me. I feel like a new woman. I totally forgot to bring that up when we were chatting before we were recording, um, maybe because I'm a little drunk, but I love it. I love the combo of your septum and your, your regular, I don't know if there's like a name for the regular nose piercing, but. It's a ring, you know? Yeah, yeah it looks really good. Thank you. What else is new? Uh, I'll say nothing, nothing much else. I kind of been up to my old same bullshit. <laughs> She's back on her bullshit, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, I never really left. <laughs> True. Today, the job that I'm leaving in three days, by the time you guys hear this, I will already have left. Um, I had like a happy hour with some of my coworkers and my our podcast got brought up and this gal, I maybe shouldn't say her name in case she doesn't want to be on here, but this gal who's like, she's an educator. She's super nice, super sweet. And she was like, Oh, you have a podcast. What's it about? And I was like, it's about twilight. You wouldn't like it. And she was like, I literally love twilight. And I was shook. So if you are hearing this right now, you know who you are and I hope you like it. That'd be amazing. Yeah. She, she legit pulled it up while we were sitting there and subscribed to it. Wow. Well, welcome to the show, new subscriber. <laughs> um, I don't know why I just automatically assume that people are going to be like, this is that this is the lasting cultural impact of the bullshit that people talked about Twilight that I'm like, it's about Twilight. You wouldn't like it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like at least my interpretation of it growing up was that it was kind of shameful and embarrassing to to say like yo yeah I'm really into Twilight like it put you in this quote-unquote box that you're this kind of person and like it, that was one of the reasons why I felt like I didn't want to even participate in it because I didn't want to be put into that label yeah it was crazy when I I just I just think back to the day last August mid like knee deep in COVID I texted you and I was like okay hear me out hear me out hear me out what if we did a Twilight podcast and you didn't answer right away and I was like she's gonna say it's fucking stupid and then you were like I'd be down and I was like oh shit all right was that last August or was it the August before last August we haven't been on air for a year you crazy ass yeah you're right you're right when I have to scroll through our text messages to confirm, because I know what our passwords and stuff are, and, like, but I have to, like, get the variation of, like, what's capital and what's not, you know, like, get the specifics of it. I have to scroll really far in our messages. I could just take a screenshot of the message and save it um, to make it easier for myself, but why do that? <laughs> That's funny, Yeah. Oh, feel free to text me anytime if you can't remember it. So I'm scrolling forever. I rem- I made a note of it the last time I looked at it. Like, you know, you know it. Because the last time I was like, I think it's this. But let me double check. And I was right. So I know it now. Yeah, you're learning. That's fair. 
Um, I want the listeners to know, first of all, I could see a pretty sunset of Bruin outside, so that's cool. Second of all, I'm sitting here in no pants. <laughs> Just straight up the shirt, shirt I wore to work and my underwear. And socks. Don't forget the socks. Two of the most amazing things nature has to offer. Sunsets and the other thing. My ass. <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, so this week we read the last two actual real chapters of Midnight Sun. Thank the fucking Lord. I'm so sick of Edward Cullen. Okay, sorry to influence you. What did you think of these chapters, Paige? Um, so Three Conversations definitely had a, a, a shock to it I wasn't expecting. Not a shock, but something I predicted kind of right, and then I changed my prediction and it was completely wrong that was that part was very surprising we'll get into it and then um inevitable is it it inevitability or inevitableness whatever um I remember reading that chapter in Twilight and feeling like the vibe was weird like Edward's vibe was just really weird and now I'm like secondhand embarrassed because I'm like, oh shit, he wanted to break up with her. Like, like reading his responses now that I'm getting his side of the story, I'm like, this is 100% the responses of someone who is like, I gotta break up with this girl. Like, I gotta end things. Like, I know he's not gonna do it now because he keeps saying when she's ready and recovered, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hurt her more. But like, he was fully insinuating the whole time, like it's gotta be over between us, sorry. And like that he's lying to her the whole time, that just, ooh, I did not like it. I did not like it thinking about like Bella's perspective and how like, like how she wanted him so bad and was so relieved to finally be reunited with him and everyone was safe. And just to know that Edward was lying and had all of this in the back of his mind the whole time, crikey's. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. It makes me so uncomfortable. It reminds me of these people that I knew in college, this, but just like peripherally, I did not run in the same circles. I like knew their names, but I don't think I ever even talked to them individually, but they were together. And then I found out that the guy, it was a heterosexual relationship. So it was a guy and a girl. And I had found out that the guy had hooked up with one of my friends. And so this whole, like, I was definitely, like, too far removed. I was, like, seven degrees removed from it. So it's not like I could go to the girl and be like, hey, your boyfriend cheated on you. But the whole, like, they're still together to this day. And I just see them, like, I see their Instagram posts and I'm like, ah, he's lying to your face. I mean, maybe she knows. It's possible that she knows about it by now. But I, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you're like, girl. Yeah, I know a couple like that and they're married now. I hate it so much. I can't. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> that keeps me up at night as a low-key empath. I'm like, Ugh. if I was a real empath, I would have just told her, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, what are the three conversations? Because I only counted two. <laughs> I think the third one is how James is talking to Edward through the camera like the whole reason he videotaped it was for him to be braggadocious to Edward and like he I mean in James's mind he was gonna kill Bella and then Edward was gonna find the footage 
right. and see that. And that would be like he was having a conversation with Edward. So I think that that was the, what was going on. Yeah, I was like, he talks to a nurse for like two lines. Maybe so I like legit could not figure out what it was. Uh, okay, should we jump in? Let's do it. I'm going to make you do it today because I'm drunk. I'm just kidding. I'll do it. I'll do it. If people could stop driving by in really loud cars, though, that would help. Okay. So the last chapter left off with um, Edward basically bringing Bella into the hospital. And this jumps ahead a little bit, but not too much. Um, So Carlisle, like, has his friend that works at this hospital and so they kind of set Bella up with her transfusions. And it's funny, they, there's just like a side, kind of like a side note about Carlisle, how um, the friend like thinks he's been doing plastic surgery like on himself because he hasn't aged at all. <laughs> I, when I read that line, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes total sense. That is such a believable storyline for him. Like, oh yeah, Carlisle should just be like, oh yeah, totally. Like, oh no, you caught my secret. Don't tell anyone. I'm embarrassed about it. But yeah, that is what's happening. I know he should use it. Because he tries to say that the cool, humid air of the Pacific Northwest was a natural fountain of youth. All right, bullshit. Tuck everlasting bullshit. I, I bet I could find a couple ugly people from there, from that general area. I don't think it's the air. I think it's the supernatural <laughs> juice inside of you. And if you are from there, we're not talking about you. Oh, my God. No, I'm not. <sighs> okay, so um, Edward talks about how with Bella's transfusions, like, she smells super weird and she feels like an alien to him. And then just this whole chapter, basically everything he says is like punctuated. It's really both of these chapters. It's like punctuated with him being like, but I'm going to lose her forever. So I better get used to it or whatever the fuck. I feel like it's also punctuated with like him suffering and him going through so much. I mean, I don't want to say that he's not going through trauma, but like this line in particular, I feel like kind of sums up what I'm trying to get at. It's at the very top of page 595. But this wasn't life or death for either of them, meaning Carlisle and Carlisle's friend, in the way that it was for me. This was my life on the gurney. My life, pale and unresponsive, covered in tubes and tape and plaster. That's not your life. That's Bella. That's not you. Bella is the one going through the physical, the the physicality, the physical attack right now. Like, your life is not on the gurney. Bella's is. Yeah, I feel like it was, like, an attempt at being romantic on Stephanie Meyer's part. But as Paige and I have covered many a time before, it's not healthy to make your life all about somebody, like, another person. It's true. It's true. Like, the only person who should be able to be saying this is Bella's, you know, like, in corny TV shows. I don't know. They do this in One Tree Hill. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But they, like, when a character goes to the hospital, they, like, are also acting. And they, like, because they're, like, separated from their body because their character's in a coma or whatever. And they're, like, commenting on it. And they're, like, am I going to wake up or whatever, you know? So I feel like Bella, walking around, could say this. Edward, no. But she wouldn't. No. She wouldn't. No. (sighs) Um, okay. He mentioned several times that Alice is avoiding him. We find out why in the next chapter. I mean, we already know, but he finds out why in the next chapter. Um, so then 
there's this phone call between Carlisle and Charlie. And it's funny because it's just so like, I feel like Carlisle's really selling the dad vibes because they're like, because Charlie at one point is like, what even happened? One minute, everything is normal. And then Bella is shrieking about liking your boy and that being a problem. And then she's running out in the middle of the night. Did you get anything coherent out of yours? And then Edward or Carlisle's like responds in his very formal way. But I feel like he is like eliciting that like kind of like dad behavior from Charlie, which I don't know. I just thought was interesting. Yeah. And also Carlisle is really, I would say sweet. Like he's, he's offering Charlie so much compassion. Like, no, please don't worry about it. Like, I don't feel guilty. You've done nothing. Like he's just really reassuring too, which I think is a big help. Yes. And Charlie talks about how, how, how he can't come down because he's like in the middle of a court case for like an assault and all this stuff. So yeah, Carlo just spends a lot of time like pacifying him and telling him that Bella will be fine. And Edward just sits there the whole time, which is like, I mean, what is he supposed to do? But still, I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, if I were Charlie, I wouldn't even want to talk to Edward, Edward right now. Like hearing from a parental figure during all of this would be the person that I would want to talk to. Yeah, and then later on, we'll, I'll just skip ahead a little bit. He's or Edward like comments that Alice is now updating Charlie, and I'm like, I would not want the sister to be doing that. But he says that he's like very like charmed by her or whatever. I mean, I guess it works, but like I'm I'm trying to picture like I'm I I don't even want to try and think of an example. Like if if one of us got into a horrible accident or something and then instead of and instead of like my mom or your mom talking to my parents it would be like Catherine, Catherine. <laughs> yeah my 19 year old sister relaying all the information <laughs> it's so funny yeah that would be really weird Ugh. okay yeah so Carlisle even does the whole like I'm so sorry, like, this is our fault. And then Charlie's like, no, like, if you hadn't been there, she would have died or whatever. So then next, Renee shows up. So I got to ask, what did you think of Renee's whole thing, her mental projection thing? Well, I immediately thought, makes sense. Like, before Edward even points this out, which I was kind of pissed because I was like, I'm about to make an amazing point. And then Edward Cullen made the point, and I was like, well, fine. <laughs> but um, the first thing I thought was, it fully fits her. It's, I can 100% see this make, see, this is why things are the way that they are. Between her and Bella, you mean? Yeah. And I mean, it was a little weird at first, like with the, like the people who work at the hospital, like why is everyone being so understanding? But then when you kind of realize like, that's just what she exudes, like her loud mental neediness draws people in in order to help and I even thought like it kind of sounds like Jasper in a way and again Edward points that out too that it has Jasper-esque elements to it um the only thing that I found too much from Renee is the amount of times that she commented on how handsome Edward was it was just too many times. Like, it made it seem like, you know, this story is from Edward's perspective. And maybe she thought it one time, but then every other opportunity Edward had retelling the story. Oh, yeah. And then she also just kind of offhandedly mentioned how handsome I was. But 
that's besides the point. <laughs> See, I almost took it as like Renee being kind of inappropriate because Bella does say that Phil is very young. Yeah, that's a good point. But it could be both. I wouldn't put it past Edward Cullen to do some shit like that. Um, he even says at one point, like, maybe she's a bit of a narcissist. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Ding, ding. I've been saying. A bit of a narcissist. There's a point where Bella is, like, in the hospital bed, just woken up. And we talked about this in Twilight, how she was going to go take a phone call from Phil. But then Edward can read her mind. And she's like, I probably should head home. The milk in the fridge is probably a couple months bad. It's like, why are you thinking about that? That is not what's important right now. Yeah. And the whole thing with Edward, we get the one thing that I feel like adds to Renee's thing from Edward's perspective, other than like, the discussion about her quote unquote power or whatever um, is like the whole, her whole reaction to Edward is anger that Bella didn't tell her as opposed to like worry that Bella, she worries a little bit that Bella's getting in too deep because it reminds her of Charlie, but overwhelmingly she says several times, like, why didn't she tell me? Yeah. It's like, there are other things to be concerned about Renee. Right. Right. Um, since we're already on the Renee topic, I just had to ask, I know what your response is going to be, but do you think that Renee loves Bella? Yes, I think that she does. I don't think it's necessarily the the strongest mother-daughter relationship, but I think, you know, as... As her mother, she does have love for her, and she also loves what Bella has to offer in their relationship, too. I don't think that the strongest portion of that love is, this is my daughter, and I I want nothing more than her to be successful and her happiness and that, like... We can clearly see that Renee is a very needy person in this, and also Bella has told us that many, many times... Um, I feel like a lot of the love is just coming from the fact that she knows that Bella is going to give her that support and care that she needs just as a needy person. Um, so to answer your question, yes, but not in the way that I would want it to be. Yeah, that's pretty much what I figured you would say. I have to agree. Like, I almost, I was going to say she treats Bella like a cousin. That's not quite right, though, because she is like codependent on her. But I also don't really think that she cares what Bella thinks. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of, like, people who are in relationships and are, like, mooching off of their significant other. Like, using their significant other for money or for a place to stay or for food. And, like, abusing the, the oh, yeah, I love you. Like, we're in a, we're in a relationship right now sort of excuse to get things from the person. And I don't think it's as materialistic in this case, but I mean, you can still be manipulative and moochy to get emotional uh, support and love and care and drain that from someone too. Because we know that Bella is so focused on taking care of her mom that she's almost neglected her own taking care of herself at times. Like, make finding hobbies for herself or going out and have doing fun things outside of the home like I feel like there were times where Bella talked about like oh well you know like I had to stay home and like do this and that so I can 
I don't know. It just seems like if if Renee's not getting physical things from Bella, she's 100% getting emotional benefits from that relationship. Reach. I mean, Bella gave up her whole childhood, basically, for her. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I mean, she moved to Forks because it just seemed like an easier solution than so her mom could do what she wanted to do with Phil. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a second. This is farther on. I actually wanted to talk about it in the next chapter because she mentions that Phil got signed. But fuck it, I'm going to bring it up now. I, you know, maybe there's something I'm not understanding about this league that he's supposedly in. But the significant others and families of professional athletes do not travel with them. They do not, they're not they're not invited like I guess if you wanted to like go to close games you would but I'm just picturing like I just feel like if there was some guy whose wife went to every single away game they'd be like what the fuck is your wife doing like you know what I mean yeah and like the players stay in a hotel or something along those lines with all the other players it's not like oh yeah we're all we all got hotels with our significant others and we're all gonna stay with our families like that's not how it works the league is not gonna pay or the the uh the team and the the whole what's the word I'm trying to say like not industry but like specific like whatever the team franchise yes um, the franchise is not going to pay for everyone to have their significant other with them and travel with them. Like, that's not how it works. And I feel like it would actually be frowned upon because in some circumstances, there have been comments made about like, and I only know this because of COVID, but like about it being a distraction. There was actually a hockey commentator who got fired because he said he made a comment along the lines of because last year because of COVID they had to play in the in what they call the bubble so like all the teams stayed in like one place and there was no fans and all that whatever and he made a comment about how there being no like wives or girlfriends in the bubble was like letting them be less distracted or whatever and he got fired reasonably because that's a bullshit thing to say but and I'm not saying that I agree with that, but I'm just saying that it would probably be frowned upon that this guy's wife is like, because I just can't picture them like getting different hotel rooms. No, I, I mean, I can see it. I can see Renee wanting that and kind of like making up her own fantasy about this being a thing that she's going to get to do with her husband. But you're 100% right. It's not realistic at all. Now I might offer up, we already know Stephanie doesn't, she isn't the most knowledgeable on baseball. So maybe she just doesn't know. True. And also, he is a minor league player. But I'm like, they have even less money at that level. Those guys sometimes aren't even getting paid, like, hardly at all. Yeah. I, I don't really know a lot about, I mean, I know what minor league baseball is, I lived very close to the minor league field where we grew up. So we went to games all the time, but I just don't know enough about the franchises and the mechanics of minor leagues to know if that's even like something you could be bragging about. Like, yeah, I married a minor league baseball player. Like, is that, is that super cool? I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, it's not shameful, but it's kind of like I married, um, a like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of literally any job. A chiropractor. I Like, it's just kind of the same. Like, that's cool. Nice. I like chiropractors. <laughs> Shout out. If anyone wants to sponsor me, I need, literally, I need my back wrung out like a wet towel. That's the second time you've said that. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to keep saying it until a chiropractor decides to sponsor us. That would actually be like a pretty cool sponsorship. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, I jumped way ahead of where I wanted to go. But I mean, there's not a whole lot to like go over here in terms of like the actual content. Obviously, we did not witness these conversations in Twilight because Bella was unconscious for them. But what did you think of like the ground covered between Renee and Edward? Was anything surprising or anything like that? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that Renee keeps pointing out what how handsome Edward is was very distracting for me. Um, because I don't know, I just I feel like if my daughter's in the hospital under these sort of I mean, I guess everyone kind of accepts it. To me, it just seems like strange circumstances. And I know that this family is like somehow involved. I just feel like I wouldn't be as receptive and willing to like, let me learn more about you. Like, let's sit down and have a conversation. It just was kind of bizarre to me that she wasn't more like, and like you pointed out earlier, her biggest thing that she's concerned with is that like I didn't even know about this person like I don't know anything about him I can't believe Bella didn't tell me about him so like I I feel like Edward was kind of being kind of fake through the whole thing which whatever like I mean if I was meeting someone's mom or dad for the first time I might have a an air of I don't know I might put on a face but what was the most distracting for me was how Renee seemed not concerned with what was really important. Yeah, totally. I have nothing to add because I agree. Um, I do actually have something to add. The fact that there is a nurse and the mom, Renee, I don't know why I said the mom, in this room and Edward goes off about how they don't notice him. I'm like, that's literally impossible. I've been inside hospital rooms you know, you can't not see a whole person. I'm picturing, like, he's standing behind the curtain with his feet sticking out at the bottom. Like, they haven't even noticed me yet. Honestly, I would not put him, that past him to do that and then just not mention it and be like, it's so weird because I'm, like, the elephant in the room. I'm, he, he even mentions that when he when he pops out and he's like, oh, let me take your bag from you, from Renee. It scares her. I... If it's true that they hadn't seen him and he just did that, I would scream. It would scare the shit out of me. Agreed. Like, of all the lines, like, I feel like if this somehow happened to me, which it wouldn't because this is impossible, but I'd be like, I'm really sorry. I just want you to know I'm in here. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, I know 100% what you mean. I and like if a, if suddenly there was a stranger taking my bag out of my hand, I would like bump, like elbow them. I would I would throw something back and attack because someone just taking a bag out of your hand is usually nothing but bad. Yes, and Alice just got done stealing someone else's bag from the same hospital, which I don't know about, but still. I am just 
I am just so excited to move on to New Moon. I just really want a little less of the Cullens. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this section that I wanted to cover. I mean, Renee and Edward meet. That's pretty much all you gotta know. Um, Paige has pretty much covered it because it's just like Renee f- thinking about how he's hot, which is gross. I do think, I did want to point out, it is just really interesting to me that, I don't know, my brain just kind of was thinking about it genetically, and I know that supernatural stuff isn't real, and why think about it logically like that, but in my head, when I had, I first predicted that Charlie had that weird muted thing with his thoughts, and that Renee didn't, and that Bella got everything from Charlie but then the more I thought about it I was like it would make sense that two of them having semi-muted thoughts would create a child that was fully muted from Edward like like having like in my mind it's like when you have two parents who have blue eyes the child will 100% have blue eyes because both of the parents have it so in my head I was like it makes sense if both of the parents have something weird going on And it's true, both of the parents do have something weird going on. It's just really interesting that Renee's is literally the complete, Edward says, the complete opposite of Charlie. That she is just loud and everything is on the surface. And it's so on the surface that it reaches out and grabs other people and gets their attention. And in my mind, I just can't comprehend how that combined with Charlie's thing created Bella. Yeah, I mean, I know a little bit more than you do, so I have to be careful with what I say. But I would say, like, maybe it's just that Renee, Bella keeps everyone out, and Renee keeps no one out. Oh. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, Um, like I said, I was thinking about it, like, weirdly scientifically, and I'm like, why am I applying science to this book? It, It, We already know from the car crashing into Bella's truck in multiple directions that science has been thrown out the window in this. Yeah, but to be fair, there is like some scientific elements to this. And you find out more about it later, as I just kind of said, but I like that your I like that your brain's going there. Keep keep the wheels turning. Chug a chug. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say some stupid shit like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um Renee gives him like the classic mom speech of like you better take care of her and then edward's like he b- thinks of the fucking pomegranates again just when you thought you were free of the pomegranates nope that is exactly what i thought when i read that part i was like god damn it i thought we were done with that <laughs> he's just pointing at the camera so fiercely with her pointer finger All right, well yeah that's what you point with duh um and i was like is she gonna poke her computer <laughs> I mean, I might for the sole purpose of talking about how Edward Cullen ruins my day. (laughs) Get over it. We're done with the pomegranates. Um, she does have this weird moment where she says that Bella running away was her fault because like she is under the impression that Bella ran away because she found, figured out that she cares about Edward. And she's like, that's all on me. And then Edward is very generous and says, no, don't think that. I mean, which is, like, he's being generous because that isn't why Bella left. But I'm like, let her think it. Yeah, it is kind of refreshing to see 
Renee take some accountability in her actions. Is she going to do anything about it? Nope. No, she's going to go home and check her sour milk. Yeah, do laundry. In case the audience didn't hear, I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> Don't you wish that made a sound? It would be very more, very more. I literally cannot speak English. It would be much more like impactful if it made a sound. What would your sound be? I was thinking everyone would have the same sound. Oh. I don't know. I don't know why, but the first thing that came to mind is like a penny hitting the sidewalk. <laughs> I was thinking like like a squeaky door, like. Well, that's funny. Yeah, I would like that. If that was true, actually, I'm glad it's not because I would never be able to get a word in because my boyfriend rolls his eyes approximately 74 times a day. It's his favorite thing to do. <laughs> One time in first grade, this might be why I have anxiety. I don't know. Um, we were in church, like, so growing up Catholic, you usually go to mass once a week, like as a school. And we were in mass and the priest was walking around doing his homily. And he, I, I could not even tell you what he was talking about, but he came over to our section and asked something and I rolled my eyes and he stopped his homily and pointed out that I rolled my eyes and the whole school laughed at me. And I was like, I am mortified right now. Cause not only is the whole school laughing at me, but also the priest pointed it out and was like, Oh, we have someone rolling her eyes over here. It was mortifying. That is mortifying, but I stand by young Paige because it probably deserved an eye roll, whatever it was. Yeah. And I mean, I've been rolling my eyes since, so. Who's laughing now? <laughs> uh, okay. So Edward tells Renee to go to sleep, so she does. And then some more time passes, and then Alice shows up with the videotape that James made. And, you know, she thought about, or she she says, I've had this argument with you over 300 times, but I could never convince you to not watch it, basically, because she has watched it and she knows how horrible it is. If you were Edward, would you watch it? Yes. Really? I mean, I'm okay. I'm picturing Edward. Like, I can't see Edward not watching it. If it were me, I don't know if I could, like, watch someone that I love be brutally attacked mm -hmm. and watch them suffer. I don't think that I could. I'm not surprised at all that Edward is. So that's why I said yes, because if it were, I'm not surprised that Edward said yes, because that's just the way that he is. Like, he wants to hold himself accountable for Bella's suffering in any way that he can. I, on the other hand, don't want to see that being done on someone that I love, so I would not. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was asking. Just, like, if you were in his... If it if you were you, but you were in his position. No, I don't think I would. I don't think I would either, but then I think it would also haunt me to not. Yeah, maybe I might keep it hidden somewhere if it ever crossed my mind but I just like my first thought for me is that I would not be able like I'm thinking about the people that I love right now and if there was footage of one of them being attacked in the way that's described in the book I just don't think that I could watch that yeah 
I could not hide it somewhere because that motherfucker would be like a telltale heart. It would drive me insane. It's here! Under the floorboards! <laughs> Wait, what is under the floorboards in that episode of Spongebob? Oh, the squeaky boot? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, was that episode based on the telltale heart? Yes, it clearly was! <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I never put that together. Yeah, it's a 100% based off of that. That's insane. Oh my god, I love that so much. Okay, well, I'm gonna go watch that episode later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And read the Telltale Heart. Um, okay, so, yeah. Edward is kind of like, well, I guess I gotta do this. And he, I think this line is particularly powerful on page 605. Closing my eyes, I took a deep breath. Once I saw this, I would have it in my head forever. There would never be, be a release from it. That seemed fair. Bella had lived it. I would only have to watch. Yeah, and I, like I said um, a moment ago, I think that it's not surprising at all that Bedward... Bed, Bedward. <laughs> That's their ship name, I think, actually. Oh, my God. Uh, Edward would want to hold himself accountable because in his mind, he is the sole person responsible for this happening. So since it happened to Bella, he now has to pay the price somehow. And for him, as much as he can do, it's going to be watching this video. So at least he can suffer alongside her. Right. Yep. That's true. I mean, I feel like we don't really have to go over it just because we witnessed it in twilight. So it is, it is a little spookier watching it from this perspective because you see everything that James does specifically to get under Edward's skin, like looking at the camera, smiling, positioning himself a certain way and choosing the ballet studio so that he can stand away while he's making Bella suffer so Edward can see that he is smiling on his face. Like, you just don't get that in Twilight, and it just makes James even worse, in my opinion. Yes, definitely. And it's so creepy how there's, like, I hate to use the word artistic, but he almost has, like, this artistic vision of this quote-unquote production that he's putting on. And he like he's like, I thought this would make for a nice effect or whatever. It's so gross. I do think it's kind of hilarious, though, that Edward even notices that he's trying to be very dramatic and get a rise out of Bella, and she is giving him nothing. I love that. I love that Bella's like, can we just speed this up already? Like, I'm sick of hearing about this. I know. I love her so much for that. It was like the epitome of that meme that's like, yes, girl, give us nothing. (laughs) It's true. But in a good way, because sometimes that's, like, used negatively. But this is, like, that's what we wanted. hmm Oh, yeah. That's funny. Um, the one thing that I did want to point out from this videotape is on page 608. Um, it's, it's, like, right at the top. Edward is thinking to himself, I thought little about how the tracker had found Bella. There hadn't been time for anything besides action, but this all made sense. None of it surprised me. I winced a little when I realized our flight to Phoenix had been the trigger for his last move. This is just another opportunity for me to get on my motherfucking soapbox and be like, then why did you buy a plane ticket when you could have just run your little legs down? Yeah, it makes no sense because how, how can you create a paper trail when there's no paper? Just legs. Just legs. Truly, like, you are literally, at least in this, in our understanding of this version of the world, you are as powerful as it gets. 
And you fucking got on a fucking passenger plane? Yeah. Maybe they could have even, like, rented, like, a cart or something and had Emmett run and pull them. Oh, wait, no, I guess Edward's the fastest. I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. I think I might just be having fun with it. I support that. We have to have fun because this is utter bullshittery. Yeah, I don't think that the Collins would ever allow fun to happen during this exact moment, but what what can you do? Like, literally, you could have crafted a sailboat with your own bare hands. I mean, there's not water in Phoenix, but my point is, is like, there was better ways. And he says, I winced a little when I realized that me buying a fucking plane ticket is what got my girlfriend almost killed. You winced a little? Also, why, if they were going to buy a plane ticket, why not buy a plane ticket to a different airport? Like, a, a different airport that's close. You know, like, not in Phoenix, but maybe, what's what's adjoining uh, Arizona? New Mexico? Yeah, like Albuquerque or something. Yeah, fly to Albuquerque. And then run. You're not going to lead anyone on if you go somewhere else, you know? Right. Although they would have a trail, I guess. But a trail leading nowhere. A scent trail, though. I hadn't thought about that. I always forget about the smells. You know, I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) You know, that just occurred to me. I'm going to pretend it didn't so I can move on. (laughs) Anyways. Um, okay, so he watches this bullshit, and then, um, the Alice thing is brought up, and, and Edward basically is like, oh, I need to talk to Alice about that, but not right now, obviously. And once Edward finishes the tape, he crushes it, and then he takes out, in his dramatic way, he takes out that fucking bottle cap that he's been keeping, and he crushes that too. He's like, I do not deserve a single tie to her. It literally says, I didn't deserve any link, any claim to her at all. That part actually really made me sad because I actually really liked that he kept that bottle cap. I'm a very sentimental person when it comes to objects like that or just like a small token of some kind as a remembrance. Like this was the first day that we sat in the lunchroom together and talked. And I mean, I'm sure that Stephanie did this on purpose, but it to me it seemed like I didn't even know that he was gonna like break up with Bella at this point but to me him doing that kind of introduced like oh he like is ready to end things because I wouldn't do that with an item unless I was done with the person you know like I I wouldn't get rid of precious mementos unless I was planning on them being out of my life you know yeah Yeah, maybe I shouldn't talk so much shit on it. I just hate how dramatic he is, how he's like, it's almost like he's saying by crushing this, he's like taking real action, which I'm like, you're not. No, I, in my mind, I feel like it's him deciding, like, if I, if I do this, then it's like me not being able to go back. Like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good point. Okay. I'll allow it. Um, so then the end of this chapter, he had been watching this in the chapel at the hospital because it was the one place he could find that was quiet. And the end of this chapter takes a turn and he says, I did something I hadn't done in a century. I prayed. What did you think about this whole discourse that he has about hell? 
and about how he can't have a God, but Bella must have a God. And he wants that God to give him strength to do what he, he must do. What did you think about all that? It just, it took me back to, um, was it last week that we were talking about him thinking about going to hell? And if, if there was an afterlife, he would for sure be damned. Like, of course he doesn't believe that there's a God out there that would support him or that encompassed him as a monster or anyone of his kind for that matter. So he has to pray to anything else out there that exists. If her God is real, then he'll do that for her. Like it's, again, it's just a bummer. It makes me sad that like, you don't, that he doesn't have any way to like reach out for help. I'm, this is just another example of get, therapy like there are resources out there for you for help in these situations and I mean obviously Edward wouldn't I don't think he would ever go to therapy but it was just sad and also it was very surprising too because this whole time Edward has been very like the afterlife isn't real like I'm going to hell if it is real like for him to even take a different spin on it and talk about God it was very uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, I agree. And it makes me sad, too. I think the main thing that's sad and, like, I don't want to say confusing, but sort of about it is, is, like, I don't think he feels that way about going to hell because of all the the people he killed, all the murderers and rapists that he killed. It seems that he thinks that he's going to hell or not going to have an afterlife or whatever just by nature of what he is. And typically in religion, at least in the major religions, there is a sense of like what you do determines that fate. And that was completely out of his control. So I'm like, what you're talking about right now isn't even really like religion. I mean, there are, there are, I guess that's kind of a broad statement to make. There are religions, I believe like Calvinism is one of them, that believes that you're like predestined to one or the other versions of afterlife before you do anything. So I guess maybe it could be argued that it's that. But again, it's just like he has done nothing to deserve. Like he has done nothing to become what he is, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I I mean, I don't think, I mean, he knows physically this the sins that he's committed, you know, all of the people that he's murdered obviously weigh on him and he doesn't feel good about those things but that never comes up when he's talking about this kind of stuff it's always about he always uses the word monster and the way that we are and just like our kind like he is only focusing on them specifically being vampires as the root cause of go ending up wherever they do if they do Yeah, he even, that reminded me what you were just saying. He even says at one point, there was no God that I belonged to, no one for me to supplicate. This is what I really wanted to point out. Carlisle had different ideas, and maybe, just maybe, an exception could be made for someone like him, but I wasn't like him. So he even thinks that maybe Carlisle doesn't even get that, who is like the epitome of goodness in his mind. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I just like, I feel like there's a lot of vampires, well... 
they all probably commit a lot of murder. But I mean, I'm trying to think of like the people in for Alice, for example, I feel like we haven't really seen Alice do anything malicious at all. And like, we don't know too much about her history, except that she just woke up in a forest and then eventually found Jasper and then eventually made their way to the Cullen. So we don't really know much about her, but like from what we do know, Alice seems like a pretty nice gal, you know, hasn't really done too much wrong. Like it, it, it seems, it seems far fetched for me to think like just because you're this weird supernatural being doesn't mean you don't deserve a chance at, an afterlife or some sort of religious exploration in those kinds of things. But I'm just, Edward is just, he's definitely just a very self-deprecating kind of person. And so I'm just not surprised that this is the route that this took. Yeah, me neither. But I agree, it's sad. That's the end of the first chapter. Did you have anything we didn't cover from that one? Um, The only thing, it was very brief that, he does go to, he, I mean, Stephanie could have written him going to anywhere in the hospital. It didn't have to be the church. She could have said like, oh, the side room in the cafeteria was empty. Like, I feel like the point of it being a church was very purposeful. And to me, it felt like penance, penance. The like, he is now atoning for putting Bella in this situation. Like, it almost feels like, like some sort of higher power is looking down on him and making him suffer for his actions kind of a thing. Like setting it in this religious location makes me think that. And I mean, also it could just be a precursor for the conversation that happens at the very end where he prays to God. But to me, it felt very penancy. Well, yeah, that's actually a really good point because that like he he never says that word exactly, but he considers, as we mentioned earlier, like him watching this is the price he has to pay, basically. Mm-hmm. So the second chapter is primarily just this conversation between him and Bella when she wakes up. And as Paige said, it has a very different vibe from Edward's perspective than it did in, from Bella's perspective. I mean, that anxiety is there, I think, from Bella's because she does freak out when he like says like, well, you should go to Florida so I wouldn't hurt you anymore or whatever. She, But then it seems like she just doesn't really have the mental capacity, and I don't blame her, for, like, really contemplating that. We also mentioned this during Twilight, that um, in this particular point, Bella has clearly gone through trauma, a very, something very traumatic, and she just bounces back, and it is, it's, I mean, Edward goes out of his way to point out, like, I'm not going to do anything until she's recovered. I'm going to make sure that that's the priority number one. But he just watched the video of her getting brutally attacked. And he's like, I'll just go back to normal. Like, we'll just have a regular conversation. It's fine. Yeah, it makes no damn sense. Again, it's because no one in this book has ever gone to therapy. (sighs) So... Basically, he gives her, like, the cover story. Um, She asks him, you know, like, how did you stop drinking my blood? And he says, it was impossible to stop, impossible, but I did. I must love you. The whole time he's, like, trying to, like, he's, like, keep it normal, keep lying, or whatever. He says multiple times that 
he that he uses the word I lied. I I purposefully lied. He did that so many times in this chapter. And it's just it's so it's so sad because I definitely like have been on the receiving end of this where it's like I think that things are going well with a person that I've been involved with and like like me reading his responses I'm like I've gotten those responses I've gotten the one word oh I've gotten the one word or the few words we took we got a car it was fast like I've I've been the person to receive those things and not realize until after the fact that the whole time the person was lying or just trying to make things better than they were so as not to upset me in the moment. Like it's just, it's just frustrating and sad to read. Yeah, it really is. It's heartbreaking. Um, let's see. This is the cover story. Oh, Renee comes in and then Edward pretends to be asleep. And then Renee and Bella have that weird conversation about how, you know, Renee's like, I think that boy's in love with you, which I'm like, grow up and talk like a mom. Like, I don't know. It's just, she, I feel like it's like another, that look at that bitch eating crackers moment, but I'm like, everything she does pisses me off. And also, is it really that bad that someone loves your daughter? Like someone is romantically involved with your daughter. I just, it doesn't seem that like horrible of a thing. Yeah, and, like, if you're going to be concerned about it, that's fair, because it's like, oh, they're moving too fast, or oh, they're too young, or whatever. But then, like, say that. Don't be, like, just immature about it, you know? Yeah. Um. Then he tells, then Renee tells Bella about Phil being signed, and talks about how she's going to be moving to Jacksonville, Florida, and all this stuff, and, and Bella's like, nah, I ain't doing that. And Renee's like, basically is like wait what are you what are you talking about like why would you want to live in forks and then why would you uh, not to not to counter argue and I mean no disrespect I am only saying this as someone who cannot handle humidity why would you want to live in Florida I mean it with all the disrespect I would not want to live in Florida <laughs> I just know, like, I have family who love it there, and I'm sure that one listener out there has to live in Florida, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It just, to me, it seems, and I, this is a quote from The Office, that it seems like a lawless swamp. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no shade if you love Florida. It's just not for me. And also, I want better for you if you're out there. <laughs> yeah. My uncle has an avocado tree growing in his backyard. That's pretty cool, though. That is pretty cool. But I feel like you could grow those in California or something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, And then Renee totally, like, I don't even want to say she falls for Bella being like, it's just a crush. I think she just, like, wants that. 100%. Yeah, so she just, like, she gets that answer and she's like, okay, good. Then I can cross that off my list. Malcolm, would you quit? And then she's like, all right, I get to go home and do laundry, like you were saying. Um, the phone is probably ringing at the house right now. It's ugh, so annoying. Such a narcissist. Um, and then her parting line. Can we just talk about her parting line real quick? Yes. I, I love you too, Bella. Try to be more careful when you walk, honey. I don't want to lose you. It just came across as, like, sarcastic to me. Everyone in this whole two-chapter span, both parents, Edward, 
all of them are like, yeah, no, like Bella sucks at walking. Like she really needs to like, this is not surprising at all. She really needs to learn how to do that better. It is terrible. It's, it, I'm like, lay off Bella. Jeez. Like imagine, imagine it's a different scenario. Your, your child ends up in the hospital on accident, an accident happens. And then your parting words after they finally wake up after being, I don't know, in a coma, unconscious for several days is a joke about them not, about said accident happening and like maybe be more careful next time. Like how insensitive. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, you gotta go off the relationship too. And I just feel like that's not the relationship Bella and Renee have. Cause like, if my dad did that, it'd be hilarious. I would laugh. But like, that's the relationship we have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So Renee leaves. There is one thing that I skipped over that I just wanted to go back to really quick. When Edward is like giving Bella the cover story. Um, where is it? On page 620. He says, you know, a throwaway line about like, Alice had a little bit too much fun fabricating evidence. It's all been taken care of very convincingly. You could probably sue the hotel if you wanted to. And then he says to himself, this idea obviously scandalized her. I'm like, yeah, because it would scandalize a normal person because you are victimizing innocent people who literally you didn't even stay in their establishment. Anything that happens like that, and it's happened a few times in my real life where someone says something offhand like that to a person that like is so removed from what was brought up it's just like flabbergast worthy like for example during the during 2016 before the election um i was in college the first time and i had a one of my all-time favorite teachers his name was Usama he was from Iraq and he his family immigrated when he was like one or two maybe he grew up in America for the most part um but that was something that he always incorporated into lecture it was like a media studies class I want to say but anyways election time is is nigh you know it's the month of voting and right before class starts, we're all just kind of chilling and he's sitting on the desk and he's like, so is everyone, everyone registered to vote? Like we're all, we're all going out and voting this year. And everyone is mostly positive. Like, oh yeah, like I've already voted or, oh yeah, I'm registered. And this one vape motherfucker who sat in front of me the whole semester, he had a vape store lanyard. He, he just like, that was like, he had Kyle energy to him, a white male. Um, he was like, well, I'm not voting this. I'm not going to vote. And my professor was like, oh, why not? And he was like, well, honestly, like, it's not going to affect me in any way, regardless of who gets elected. So like, why even vote? And just like everyone in the class, like the students, like became very irate and were like, what? And I could just see in Osama's eyes, just like, the white audacity, the privileged audacity to even be able to make the statement, well, well, it's not going to affect me in any way, so why even bother? Like, to have no awareness that, like, 
yeah, no, it might not affect you in any way, but this is not the same world that everyone else is living in. So yeah, it was, it was a tense class afterwards. That totally checks out for Edward Cullen because it's just like lack of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's disgusting. He's going to be haunting my nightmares, that fucking Kyle kid. <sighs> okay, so after Renee leaves, Edward does that horrible thing where he's like, I would go someplace I couldn't hurt you anymore, and Bella freaks out. The nurse comes in and tries to give her more pain meds, but she declines. And then um, Edward... Sorry, Mila's wilding in the back, if you can hear that. Edward um, tries to, like, placate her, basically, by being like, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here right... I'll be right here as long as you need me. And then in his brain saying like, until you're ready, until I'm strong enough to leave you. And poor Bella just doesn't know that's going on. And then um, she says, you know, like, are you tired of having to save me? Like, and then she goes on this, you know, kind of speech about how relationships should be equal and both people should be saving each other, which I'm like, why is why does anybody need to be saved at all? Can we just chill? Yeah, I mean, like, I've I've been talking with Danny for the past three years, I would say. And one time he ran out of gas, and I brought him gas. But, like, other than that, it's been pretty low-key, I would say. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mood. Um, and, of course, Edward tries to do the whole, you have saved me, and she doesn't really buy it. And then they get into an argument about her changing into a vampire and Edward finds out she knows a lot more than he bargained for because Alice told her how the transformation works and that it takes three days and he's going to kick Alice's ass later, which is why Alice has been avoiding him. So they call it an impasse or impasse. Did we decide? Is it impasse? I think it's impasse. Okay. Um, that's what the name of the chapter in Twilight is called. So they reach that because they can't agree on whether or not Bella should be a vampire. And then he tries to be like, I'm not worth it. And she's like, you're a lottery prize or you're much better than a lottery prize. It's just like, you know, they're just fighting. That's basically all it is. And then like a douchebag, Edward breaks it up by being like, let's sedate her. <laughs> it's like, Really? <laughs> Gloria, we need her. We need her asleep right now. I can't handle this. I'm tired of fighting with her. I did want to point out one thing. Top of page 630. Um, Bella asks, "Do you wish that Carla hadn't saved you?" And he says, "No, I don't wish that." And then to himself, "I never would have met her if he hadn't." And then out loud, "But my life was over. I wasn't giving anything up." And then to himself, "Except a soul." What, what did you think about that line? He's basically saying, you know, he would have, I think this goes back to the afterlife thing. Like he would have had some sort of soul entering an afterlife, whether, whatever that means for him. I mean, once he got turned into a vampire, that was taken from him. He no longer believes he has a soul. He is a monster, basically. So that's the one thing that's been that he lost, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't really know how, I'm just, maybe I'm applying too much logic to this, but for me, I'm like, I don't know how someone who is sentient in that, in the same way that a human is and has those feelings and like 
knows the difference between good and evil, which is the difference between us and animals, right? That's like the whole thing. It's like, how can you not have a, like, soul then? If Edward has a soul and he can't be self-deprecating. Yeah, he can. I do it all the time. <laughs> not self-deprecating in the way that he wants to be. I guess. It's just annoying. I'm annoyed. Look, all I'm saying is, is that I can be, I can buy myself a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos with Limon and be like, this is going to be good for me for the next couple of days. And then I eat the whole bag and I am like, my cuticles are covered in that red dust. My knuckles are red. My gums are red from eating it. I feel like a monster. You don't have to be supernatural to feel this way, Edward. You, Everyone can feel like a monster at times. Two things. You shouldn't feel like a monster because we're all going to die anyways. The sun is literally going to implode on itself. Who's going to fucking care if you ate some hot Cheetos? Number two, I love how your metaphors somehow always come back to fucking Cheetos. Look, I hold I hold some things near and dear and true to me. What's What is it in Buddhism? There's like like the four tenements or something like that. Yeah. One of my tenements is just hot Cheetos. Like, no no statement or anything. It's just hot Cheetos, period. Fine, then one of mine gets to be ranch dressing. I'm, I'm pro it. What if we combine the two? I feel like that wouldn't be good. I think it would be fine. Millie got some um, sour cream and onion dip, and we dipped some hot Cheetos, and it was pretty good. Yeah, but the, let's dip. What I was thinking what is what I was thinking would not work about this is the texture. Because ranch is so liquidy. I think it would be okay. Try it and let me know. I don't own ranch because I'm I'm more neutral with ranch. I don't need it. But if it's available, I'll have it, you know? What's that like? I'm See, I'm your way with ketchup, I feel like. Like, I will not eat, like, french fries or chicken nuggets if I know I don't have a dipping sauce to go with it. Ketchup preferred, but I'll take mustard. I'll take barbecue sauce. I'll take honey mustard. But ketchup is the preferred for me. But I'm not going to make myself something that that can have a dip sauce to it if I don't have a dip sauce. I agree, but I hate ketchup. This is dramatic, and I don't actually think it's true, but when you started talking about ketchup, I, the very first, it's like a, what are those things where you see a picture and you, like, say the first word that comes to mind, like, Rorschach or whatever? Oh, the, yeah, the Rorschach test. <laughs> well, mine, when you brought up ketchup, was I'd rather eat a wasp than eat ketchup, which is probably not true, but I just don't like it. I I think for me, what I really love about ketchup is the high fructose corn syrup. Fair. That's fair. Um, one other thing I did want to point out is, you know, Bella starts talking about how, you know, she's going to die someday. And at first she, at first she doesn't say someday. So he's like, he thinks that she's saying she, she's going to die from these injuries. And this is kind of a side note, but it, it just, I hadn't thought about it when we read Twilight. So I wanted to bring it up, but he tells her, You'll be out of here in a few days, two weeks at most. And my thing is, is like, these medical bills, I'm assuming the Collins are covering them, but like, if they weren't, that'd be crazy. Yeah, that's an impasse. <laughs> yeah. 
It's sad. It's sad. Don't even get me started on the state of healthcare in this country. If you are one of our foreign listeners, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know all the healthcare systems of all foreign countries, but you probably have it better than us, is all I'm saying. I know we have one to three listeners in Sweden, and I just got to say, if any of you want to marry me, I'm looking. <laughs> this is my turn to say that's the second time you've said that. <laughs> Look, I... I not much has changed in my diabetes diagnosis since the last time I said it. So Okay, fair. Fair. Not much has changed in how much my back hurts. So there. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Edward says that they've reached an impasse and then gets Gloria to sedate her. And they kind of have this back and forth as Bella is falling asleep. You know, she says, like, please stay. And he says, she was drifting now and I felt able to speak the truth. That's always healthy when you feel like you can only speak the truth to your significant other when they're sleeping. Or almost unconscious. Yeah. Always good when that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells her, I love you, which I'm like, you don't even have the right anymore. And then after she falls asleep, the last little part of the chapter is I buried my face in the hollow of her neck and breathed in her searing essence, wishing again, as I had in the beginning, that I could dream with her. Do you have anything from this chapter that we didn't cover? Um, it, It's very minor. It just has to do with the chapter or the title of the chapter being inevitability and how the title for this chapter in Twilight was impasse. And so the titles are at the same point. In this chapter where Edward says, I sighed and then laughed once without much humor. I believe it's called an impasse, an impasse that led to an, to an inevitability. So in Twilight, like Bella is under the impression like, oh man, I guess we're not getting over this. Like we're just like both going to butt heads on this. And then in, in the Midnight Sun version, Edward is like, yeah, we're we're button heads on this and we're not going to get over this. So the inevitable has to happen. And I remember the when I predicted what like inevitability kind of meant, I had no idea. Inevitability for Edward means like this has got to end. Like you I I just I didn't realize in Twilight that that was what this whole chapter was about. And like I'm pretty we've talked about it before that I know I'm assuming in New Moon that that's where there's more of a focus on Jacob because there's a whole portion where Edward is kind of like out of the picture. And now that I know leading into New Moon that Edward is like, I'm going to break up with her probably soon, that that's the inevitable. The inevitable is like, this is what is we know to be true right now is coming to an end. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Do you have any predictions for the epilogue? Well, we do have to go to the dance, which was what the epilogue was um, in Twilight. I feel like it's going to be more bitter now that I know that. I mean, Bella's like in her little leg cast thing or foot thing. Um, So she's not fully healed yet. So I don't think that Edward is still going to be wanting to break up with her. Like, or well, not wanting to, but that's not going to be what's going to happen. Um, but I feel like it's, it, he's going to talk about it. Like I wanted to have fun during all of this, but all I could think about was the fleeting moments and how this might be the last time that I get to hold her in my arms. But then I also feel like there might be more to them coming back to Forks and like 
because when when it picks up in Twilight, there already seems to be some kind of established relationship with Charlie, and like he already knows what's up, and like he has a relationship with Edward. So I feel like there might be like maybe a little extra there in how Edward kind of like settles into life and forks with Bella back. So we'll see. Okay, I like it. Yeah, the fact that you used fleeting in like Edward's quote unquote voice was so funny because that's exactly the word he would use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really are an Edward expert now, just like the rest of us, unfortunately. An Edskbert. I'm cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our socials, you know where to find us. We're on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays After Twilight. We're on Twitter at TaftPod, T-A-F-T pod. You can email us anytime at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. We got a lovely email from our gal Mia this week. So thank you for that, Mia. Um, send us memes, do all the things, and please also donate to the Move to Higher Ground movement for the Quileute tribe. That is at mthg.org. And yeah, so we are going to read, obviously, the epilogue. I am literally moving, so you're welcome for not skipping a week on the last. I really, I really did think about it. I was like, could I take a week off on the last fucking chapter? But I can't. I need to be done with this fucker. But Anyways, um, after that, we Paige and I are going to take some time off, but we'll talk about that more next week. But we're not going anywhere for long. Don't worry. You can't get rid of us that easy. Paige, do you have anything else you want to add? I don't, I don't want anyone to forget this. Never forget to live. Never forget, forget to laugh. Never, never forget to love. <laughs> Not one of your better ones, but we'll keep it. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week for the last chapter of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Bye.